Well, you saw Amir. He talked yesterday at a conference. I think he was in Philadelphia or somewhere around there. He was in the United States. Pray for Amir. He's trying to get home. But most flights have been shut down going into Jerusalem. He doesn't want to get stuck in another country while he's trying to get home, but you never know. Where's my iPad? Here it is. I was planning on finishing John chapter 4, but then I woke up to go to work yesterday. Ended up being late to work because when I picked up my phone, I realized Israel was at war. And Israel had declared war. It wasn't just that someone else was attacking Israel because someone attacks Israel every day, it would seem like. And we've been up here before and I've talked to you about missile launches and the Iron Dome and, you know, ridiculous amounts of missiles coming into Israel and 99.5% of them get intercepted. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about this. That seems like a da- daily in the life of the nation Israel. But this is different. This one was different because Israel was caught unaware, which doesn't happen, should not have happened. There's a lot of questions to be answered that aren't answered yet, and um, we'll probably get answers to them here sooner or later. But uh, right now, of course, they're focused on the task at hand, which is fighting a war. Now, the war, you know, this is started by the Hamas. The Hamas came in and uh, let me get this taken care of. Come on. Uh, Get rid of that. There we go. Um, The Hamas cut, cut through the fence. I brought you photos uh, because I didn't bring you, I'm not going to show you all the graphic photos. Um, but they bulldozed right through the fence. Now, just understand that the only way that you can do this is if it's not being guarded, right? If there's not Israeli soldiers there, right, on the Gaza Strip. Uh, it's a little hard to do that in broad daylight. They just, and <laughs> professionally photographed too, right? That means they had press. They had press there um, that, to photograph and document what they were doing. Um, driving and running the terrorists right through after they took the fence down. And immediately, right, were in Israel and they started a barrage of rockets. Amir said that there were over 5,000 rockets within, you know, the, the less than 12 hours or something like that. He said it was over 10 hours. Then I'm sure the number's higher than that now because now other people have gotten involved, such as Hezbollah, um, and they've started launching rockets. We'll talk on that in a second. Right? They started pulling people out of their houses. They started killing people. Uh, 
Israelis, but not just Israelis, understand foreigners. Here's a police station that was decimated. Um, Foreigners, German citizens, American citizens. American citizens have been taken hostage and have been killed. If you were there for whatever reason and you were in that area when they came through, they either kidnapped you and took you hostage or they were killing you. Right? And so we haven't seen a conflict like this. I mean, the Yom Kippur War in 1973 was the last time we saw anything like this. I was four years old. I don't remember it at all. Right? This was almost 50 years to the day. It was, it, it was the day after, actually, I think. Almost 50 years to the day, which is no coincidence, right? right? But, but Israel won that one. Israel will win this one, too. Uh, Amir, later on in that same talk there, refers to this as Israel's 9-11. He says this is the biggest terrorist attack on Israel in its history. And the numbers are being updated, you know, continually as things go on. But as of last night, they said there was, you know, at least 300 killed. They actually just updated that number. I just saw the update. They said it's 700 people now uh, when they're expecting it to be over a thousand because they really honestly can't get accurate numbers right now. You know, thousands wounded, hundreds kidnapped. And as he was describing, the terrorists are stripping and parading the dead around like trophies. They're murdering civilians, women and children, elderly. Um, It's, right, it's awful. Hamas are referring to it as the Great Liberation Operation. It's also known as the Liberate Al-Aqsa Operation. If you want to know what Al-Aqsa is, that's um, the mosque in the old city of Jerusalem that sits on the southern part of the Temple Mount. So that gives you any idea what (laughs) they're after or what this has to do. It has to do, obviously, uh, with them wanting to reclaim Jerusalem, what they consider theirs. Um, Hamas is is hoping to drag drag Hezbollah. Hezbollah is from Lebanon, right? They're hoping to drag Hezbollah into the conflict. Hezbollah has already gotten into the conflict. So they have, in a sense, Hezbollah started dipping their toes in, started launching rockets. Um, But unfortunately, it hasn't gone well for Hezbollah so far. Um, Because, uh, here's a little video. This is last night in Israel. Um, I mean, you've, they're not asleep now. <laughs> the IDF is, is active. All the reserves are being called in. Um, and anybody trying to cross borders and get through fences or launch rockets um, are being taken out quite swiftly and, and precise. If you want to see... Uh, Exactly, another video, I forgot to show this one. This is using drones, and this is what they did. They dropped explosives into the towers, and they would take out the towers. Um, This is their footage. They've released the footage. They've released the training videos to show you how they train the people with the drones and everything like that. They're proud. They're incredibly proud. Actually, there are parts in the United States, just this morning, I I don't have the video here, but I saw Amir just released it, where there are cities in the United States today that have large Palestinian um, numbers, 
that are holding parades today. Proud of missile launches. Uh, proud of the attack on Israel. They're calling for all these Islamic Arab nations that aren't friends with Israel uh, to join them in the attack. This isn't your standard, we got a bad guy at the border type thing that Israel deals with on a constant basis. As we said, it's different. I told you that they wanted to drag uh, Hezbollah and I said that Hezbollah has already started launching rockets. Uh, Hezbollah has promised Hamas that if, if Hamas can get Israel into a ground war, okay, there at the uh, Gaza Strip, um, then Hezbollah is going to come in and attack from the north. Right? And so that's going to split up Israel, their forces, which is what they're trying to do. Do, do, do. Come on. Okay. Which is what they're trying to do. Now, Netanyahu had a response to that, and he told the UN, uh, which Amir refers to here, the, the UN forces that are in Lebanon, call them the United Nothing, right? Uh, Netanyahu has informed them that if Hezbollah attempts to do anything, then southern Lebanon will cease to exist. Right. The Taliban, as he told you, wants to join. So, why? Right? I mean, when things like this happen, you're like, why? It's not like Israel's ever been truly at peace, even though they are a peaceful nation. We'll touch on that more in a second. But, but I mean, what started? Well, honestly, these nations just hate Israel. Right? They don't need any other reason. This war really shouldn't be a surprise to any of us who have been through the Bible and have read what has been prophesied concerning the, the nation of Israel and the conflict that we've seen with the nation of Israel since as its inception, for the most part. Right? Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3 says, Behold, I'm about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding peoples. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. And on that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it will surely hurt themselves. And all the nations of the earth will gather against it. God has said many times in his word that all the nations, go read Psalm 82. All of the nations are going to come against Israel. Right? And Israel knows this. That's why you have these psalms like Psalm 82 that say, Lord, protect us, for all the nations are against us. All the nations are attacking us. They just don't like Israel. And as Amir said, basically since Abraham was called by God into the land that God would show him, before Israel was even technically a nation, right, the surrounding nations have wanted to destroy him ever since. I mean, there is no more disputed real estate on the earth than the land of Israel. Right? Even calling it Israel can cause problems depending on where you are. But it was a land given to them by God and it will all be theirs. Right? God promised to give the land to Abraham's offspring in Genesis 12, 7. Right? And then later in Genesis 15, God says to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. He states it again in chapter 17, the whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. God would repeat this to Isaac. He would repeat it to Jacob. Right? God promised 
to the then children of Israel. His promise then has never ended. His promise still stands today. They're going to have that land. That land that they occupy now, it's just a small sliver of the actual land that God promised them. And they're going to have all that land, but it's, it's the most disputed piece of real estate in the world. And everything in the world surrounds or revolves around Israel. God promised them they'd have the land. They promised him he would return to the land, right? It includes everything from the Nile River in Egypt to the Lebanon, right? And everything from the Mediterranean Sea to the Euphrates River. I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's not just the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, but it's Egypt and Syria and Jordan, Saudi Arabia and Iraq. No wonder these countries right, want to destroy Israel. He only possesses a fraction of the land that God has promised. The rest of their inheritance awaits the return of Jesus. But they will have it. So these people just want to, they just hate Israel and they want to destroy it. However, another reason could be the peace talks that have been happening lately within the last couple of weeks between Israel and Saudi Arabia and uh, the Gulf states. This has huge far-reaching implications, specifically for the Temple Mount, mind you, where the Hamas, the Hamas just released, just ha- you know, started an operation to go liberate it, their mosque there on the southern part of the, the Temple Mount. So they don't like that either. Now, the Hamas is, is a real, I'm not going to say it's small, but it's not an incredibly large terrorist organization, but they're pretty much Iran, right? And trust me, they're not doing anything without the approval or the blessing of Iran as a whole. But as Amir is leading to there in that video we watched, they're you know, funded and trained by Russia. They've also been funded by the United States, but that's kind of a touchy subject because just about a month ago, uh, our Supreme Leader was proud to announce on September 11th, bad date to announce this, about how he just gave $6 billion back to Iran. That doesn't seem like a really good choice, you know, a, a good thing now. And he's, trust me, he's trying to make up for it really fast. It looks like a pretty bad payout at the moment. Um, it, it, it was good for Iran. It's not good for anybody else. Now you combine that with the truth concerning the United States is no longer considered a superpower in the Middle East. And all those things that the United States used to do in the Middle East, like negotiate these things and those things and do all the little political hanky-panky between all the countries that used to happen there, that was the United States. They, used, they were the ones that helped do a lot of that. That's all been taken over now by Russia. And Russia's the one doing all that. Russia's the one negotiating all the little treaties, and Russia's the one giving all the oil, and Russia's the one doing all this. So Russia has their fingers in the pie of everything over there in the Middle East, and the United States is really a second thought. They don't really think much about the United States anymore, which is why they're dropping the dollar as they're funding, and the petrol dollar, and they're all, you know, they're all do, doing all these other things. They don't consider the United States the superpower it used to be, especially after the debacle in Afghanistan. So, so you put all that together, they're like, well, we can start attacking Israel more. We can start doing more serious operations. Let me see if I can find it, because I don't have it in my notes, because 
I, I did all this last night in the middle of the night because like I said, I was planning on finishing John chapter four. Um, so I uh, came home and had to write all this after I got home from work. Here's what one of the Hamas terrorists said, and this just came on my thing. It says that we prepared for more than a year. The demonstrations in Israel encouraged us. It was five hours, five hours from when they got in before they were shot at. We were prepared with 1,000 fighters. We made 15 breaches in the fence. We were shocked that the IDF was not waiting for us. We walked with abductees for two hours. They prepared for a year to do this. Right? When you have a superpower within the Middle East that says, listen, don't even try that, or we're going to take you out, they're less hesitant to do these things. When you don't have a superpower that's, that tells them no, they're going, to, they're going to train, get ready, and do it, because there's nobody to stop them. Right? So, if you've got your little prophecy hats on, this may seem familiar to you. You might be like, well, this seems somewhat similar to something I've read somewhere, like possibly Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, Gog and Magog, right? Wars and rumors of wars from Matthew 24, right? Conflicts have increased exponentially over there in the Middle East since the United States really hasn't done much or is doing much. So I just wanted to really, I thought, you know what, we, we're just going to go over this again. Because you need to know where this stands, basically. Is this serious? Absolutely. Should we pay attention to it? 100%. Is this normal? No. Is this, could this lead to other things? Absolutely. Right, the implications are, we can't even guess right now. I mean, we can guess, but. For example, Isaiah 17 Isaiah 17.1, referring to the destruction of Damascus. This could lead to a situation where Damascus gets destroyed, right? The longest standing, what's the word? City, that inhabited city, like in the world. It's been around the longest of any city in the entire world. Would finally be destroyed and uninhabitable. Right? This could lead to something like that. That's one of the two things we, I mean, we look at. Like when you look at, you know, you know, we don't know where Gog and Magog, I mean, we can't say for sure where it lands as far as a, a prophecy count. There's a lot of ideas of where, is it, is it before the rapture? Is it after the rapture? Is it at the beginning of the tribulation? We don't, we don't have an exact time frame. You know, and same with Isaiah 17. It's like, well, I kind of think Isaiah 17 leads into it. Like that happens first and then Gog and Magog because it gives them a clearer path when they're coming down from the north to get into Israel, to get Damascus out of the way, basically. Right? So, so we, don't, but we don't have an exact time frame. But so could this lead into things like that? Yes. Is this Gog and Magog? No. This isn't Gog and Magog. Right? So let's go over Gog and Magog really quick just so you have an understanding of why I say this isn't Gog and Magog, not that you thought it was. But obviously, anybody who's been paying attention to prophecy and, and the things like this, I mean, I had people send me messages on my phone yesterday or like, are you, are you watching what's going on? Are you watching what's going on with Israel? People who don't even hardly ever talk to 
me about things like this, but they saw it and they're like, okay, wait a minute. What's going on? That's a, people have paid attention to this one. Right? So is this Gog and Magog? No. But let's go over it. So Ezekiel chapter 38 is where the prophecy against Gog and, and uh, starts. Gog and Magog. And it starts, I'm going to start in verse 2, Ezekiel 38. It says, Son of man, set your face towards Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn you about, and I will put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out, and all your army, your horses and your horsemen, all of them clothed in full armor, a great host, all of them with buckler and shield, wielding swords. Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all his hordes. Beth Togermah from the uttermost parts of the north with all his hordes, many peoples are with you. So what is this describing for us? It's describing this coalition of nations that are going to come and attack Israel. That God is going to actually put a hook in their mouth and drag them out to attack Israel. So there's something that's going to hook them. It's going to make them say, now is the time. And all these nations, it's funny when you think about it, you're seeing it here with right now, but a lot of these nations actually don't even get along with each other, right? But they're all more than willing to join forces in attacking Israel. So they're all going to combine and come down and attack Israel. So you have, you have Gog. Gog is a person, okay? Right, his title is uh, Chief Prince of Meshach and Tubal. Gog is the Chief Prince of Meshach and Tubal, which is in the land of Magog. Right, that's confusing sometimes. People are like, what are we talking about? Right? So you have Gog, who's from the land of Magog. He's the prince. And some of your translations might even say Rosh in there. Right? He's the prince of Meshach and Tubal and Rosh. So where is that? Well, probably Russia. I mean, like I said, on all these things, there's lots of difference of opinions on, on what it means and what it's translated from, but there's a lot of historical texts that you can reference. Um, it's that area, okay? It's that area. Obviously, the borders of Russia have changed over time, and who knows what they were at that time uh, compared to what they are today, but it's, it's that area. It could even be some of the other states that are up there. Like, you could be talking even R Ukraine, Okay, as, as part of that, for example. So then it says Persia. Well, Persia is Iran. Look, who's attacking Israel right now, right? Persia, okay. Kush, which is like Sudan or Ethiopia. Put, which is Libya. Gomer, Gomer's, a lot of people have different views on what Gomer is. A lot of people think it's Germanic. Um, some people think it's the Balkan state. Some people, you know, have different ideas about what Gomer, but notice, um, it's singular. It's not plural Gomer. It's important because if it is the Germanic states, for example, or things like that, at one time there was more than one Germany today. There's only one. Okay. And then Beth Togermal, which is Turkey, right? And there's actually no disputing that one. A lot of these, there aren't 
there is no disputing. Matter of fact, Turkey's even put it on their flag now, I think, or they used to have it on their flag where they said um, something about Tograma on their flag. So that's Turkey. That's Turkey. And so these, these, many of these countries, when they come to attack Israel, are going to have to come down from the north through Syria. Right? And it says when they do that, it tells us here in Ezekiel 38 that Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, they're going to they're gonna voice concern. They're going to uh, protest possibly the, ta- the attack. They're going to question it. They're going to say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you going down to attack Israel? But they're not going to do anything to stop it. They're not going to go to Israel's aid. They're not going to give Israel munitions. They're not going to go fight with Israel. So that, there, there's one sign right now. Besides the fact that all these nations aren't together yet and attacking Israel, the, one of the other signs you have is that um, other nations are actually coming to Israel's aid right now. And one of the biggest ones, of course, is the United States. So wanting to get the egg off his face for $6 billion to Iran, uh, it, it was just announced, and actually I would show you the picture, but of the boats, the USS Gerald Ford strike group is on its way. And, uh, and so they were sending the Navy, basically, the United States, uh, to help. When the Gog and Magog war handles, they won't be there. No one will. No one is coming to Israel's aid. You don't see United States in this equation anywhere, Right. Unless you want to put them in with the merchants of Tarshish and just say, they're going to be over there protesting and saying, hey, what are you doing? But they're not actually going to come to their aid. Why? Because they're not going to be in power to the point where they can. And that's a whole different story down another whole different road about what's happening within our country, which we could spend another hour on, Right. So the, the support that we're seeing now, there's, so there's, there's, we're sending ammo for the Iron Dome, we're sending in the Navy, this type of support, that's not going to happen when it comes to the Gog and Magog war. Now, continuing on through chapter 38, when you get down to verse 10, it says, Thus says the Lord, on that day thoughts will come into your mind and you will devise an evil scheme and say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will fall upon the quiet people who dwell securely, all of them dwelling without walls and having no bars or gates. We'll get into that in just a second, but that just shows you how Israel is at peace. Right? They don't have any walls, they don't have any bars, they don't have any gates, everyone's dwelling securely. They're not thinking about people coming to attack them. Right? To seize spoil and carry off plunder and to turn your hand against the waste places that are now inhabited and the people who were gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell at the center of the earth. Right? But God says when these nations come to attack Israel, he says, I'm going to vindicate my holiness before their eyes. <laughs> we'll get to watch from a unique vantage point, right? Because I, I, I don't, it's, it's hard to, like I said, put a time frame on when the Gog and Magog war is going to unfold, but I, I tend to think it's going to happen after the rapture, but I don't know that it will. And there's a lot of arguments either way on, on which way it happens. If you go down to verse 18 in chapter 38, 
It says, for in my jealousy and in my blazing, oh, wait a minute, no, I went, I jumped one. But on that day, the day of Gog shall come against the land of Israel, declares the Lord God. My wrath will be roused in my anger, for in my jealousy and in my blazing wrath, I declare. On that day, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep on the ground and all the people who are on the face of the earth shall quake at my presence. And the mountains shall be thrown down and the cliffs shall fall and every wall shall tumble to the ground. And I will summon a sword against Gog and all my mountains, declares the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. With pestilence and bloodshed, I will enter into judgment with him and I will rain upon him and his hordes and the many people who are with him, torrential rains and hailstones, fire and sulfur. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. And then they will know that I am the Lord. Remember that. Remember that just because God has a plan and God's in sovereign control of everything that's going on. And his plan is to let people know that he is God, that he is the Lord. And he's going to use all these things to show just that. But specifically this attack that comes sometime in the future against Israel, he's going to vindicate his holiness in all these nations that come and try to attack Israel so they will know that he is the Lord. They will know that Israel is God's chosen people and they will know that they don't get that land and that they can't attack Israel. God will defeat the nations, not Israel. And it will be done in such a way that no one will be able to say, Israel beat us. They'll say, God, the God of Israel beat us. Right? You don't have that now. Israel's going to win this war. They've already almost taken control of the Gaza Strip back, right? They're hunting down terrorists left and right. The war is going to escalate. It's going to get bigger because other people are getting involved and they're trying to split up and they're preparing for ground assault in a large ground war. It's not over. We're not going to go home today and find out, hey, it's ended, right? It's not going to end that quick. But the thing people need to remember is, is that the reason you keep attacking Israel and not winning because Israel is protected by God. Israel is protected by God. Right? As that, that verse, Psalm 121, verse 4, that Amir quoted, right? Behold, he who keeps Israel with neither slumber nor sleep. Israel itself might slumber and sleep. They may fall asleep and allow people to cross into their borders, but God hasn't. God hasn't. And he protects them. They shall know that I am the Lord their God. Right? And that they, the house of Israel, are my people. It's also for Israel, right? The whole tribulation period is for Israel. God has given his word that the nation of Israel will never cease as long as the sun still shines by day and the moon still shine by night, right? You can find that in Jeremiah chapter 31. So this war we have right now, it doesn't have all the players needed yet to be Gog and Magog, right? I mean, it has some of them. The nations are coalescing, but they're not all together as of yet. But that being said, when we look at something like this, from what we've seen already just from Saturday and even early today, we can see how fast the enemies of Israel can get together and attack. And we can see that even Israel, a, company, a, a nation that's incredibly well defended, an incredibly strong nation, as small as they are, right? An incredibly strong nation can be taken by surprise. Even Israel can be taken by surprise. Right? And, then now, and now this war that we're going to be watching live and online. Right? right? As horrendous as it has been, is nothing, it's, 
compared to what Gog and Magog is going to be. Because it tells us in the next chapter, in Ezekiel 39, in uh, verses 4 through 6, it says, You shall fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your hordes, and the peoples who are with you. I will give you to birds of prey of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. You shall fall in the open field, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. I will send fire on Magog and on those who dwell securely in the coastlands, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I don't think that we're going to see that in this, in this war. And then just a little farther down in verse 9, it says, Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and make fires of the weapons and burn them, shields and bucklers, bows and arrows, clubs and spears, and they will make fires of them for seven years. Think about that. How, how much? Yeah, I, right. Exactly. The tribulation period is seven years long. They're going to be able to take all these weapons and burn them and make fires. And they have so many that they'll be able to supply, have this fire for seven years. <laughs> right? That's a good point, Cheryl. Exactly. So that they will not need to take wood out of the field or cut down any of the forest, for they will make fires of the weapons. Do, you have, do we have f- enough firewood to get us through the winter? Oh, we have enough. Yeah, trust me. Right? They will seize the spoils of those who despoiled them and plunder those who plundered them, declares the Lord. On that day I will give to Gog a place for burial in Israel, the valley of the travelers east of the sea. It will block the travelers, for there Gog and all his multitudes will be buried. It will be called the valley of Hemon Gog. And for seven months the house of Israel will be burying them in order to cleanse the land. It's going to take them seven months to bury all the dead. I don't think we're going to see that in this war. Don't think we're going to see that in this war. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but I don't think we're going to. 17, go to verse 17 of chapter 39. As for you, son of man, thus says the Lord God, speak to the birds of every sort and to all the beasts of the field, assemble them and come gather them from all around to the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you, a great sacrificial feast on the mountain of Israel, and you shall eat flesh and drink blood. You shall eat the flesh of the mighty and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, of rams, of lambs, and of he goats, and of bulls, and all of them, fast beats of fast fat beasts of Bashan, and you shall eat fat till you are filled and drink blood till you are drunk at the sacrificial feast that I am preparing for you. It's horrendous. But that's what's coming. It's the Gog and Magog war. And I don't think this war with Hamas or even if other countries, nations get involved with it, if Hezbollah comes in or, or even with, it's not, it's not going to end like this. But there's one other thing. It tells us when the battle of Gog and Magog starts that Israel's at a time of peace. Right? It says this specifically, that they're dwelling securely, that they don't have any bars on the windows, they're like the doors aren't locked. It's kind of like, the, like they, they, they're like, come on in, everything's good here, right? It mentions like three times that they're dwelling securely, right? That they're, 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 that they're not even thinking about it. Now, Israel, despite everything that goes on in Israel, anybody who's gone to Israel will tell you that it's, you've, you've never felt more safe in a country than you feel in Israel. You can go walk like downtown San Francisco and feel like your life's going to be taken, right? But you can go to Israel and, and be in the middle of rockets flying and the Iron Dome working and feel like no big deal, right? It's, it's actually a, a, a country where you, you feel secure and you feel safe. Amir says it's the safest spot in the world, right? And, but um, 
Are they at a time of peace? Have they ever been at a time of peace, to be honest? Has Israel really truly ever been at a time of peace where maybe people would take the bars down off the windows and unlock the doors and take down the fences and the walls? I don't think so. Right? It's in the manifest, if you want to use the word, it's in the manifestos of almost all the surrounding nations, specifically Hamas and, and Hezbollah and, and all these people. It's right there. It's like the first thing written, destroy Israel. When you're a small little nation, powerful as you may be, when you're a small little nation surrounded by your enemies, when pretty much almost every nation on every side of you wants to kill you, are you ever really truly at peace? Right? As strong as, and, and as fortified as a the nation they are, I'm not sure that, at, that they are dwelling securely as what is described in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Okay. I think, now here's the other thing about that. That word in the Hebrew there, it also implies it's a false security. Okay. So Israel is going to come to a time when they feel so secure about things that they, in a sense, relax. We, we, I think we got a picture of that just yesterday or when, this, when this started. Because where were the soldiers? I mean, there's a lot of questions to be asked. But, you know, they, they, did they let their guard down? Were they, you know, did they fall asleep on the job? I mean, where were they? But... There's going to come a time when they get to this, this time of peace where they feel so secure that they, they, in a sense, get a false sense of security. They, they feel like, hey, it's all good. And that's the time when these nations are going to come in and attack them, when they're least expecting it. And this, if nothing else, from what we have with this war here, is a foreshadowing of that. If nothing else, it's a foreshadowing of the fact that Israel can be surprised and can be caught off guard. There's a quote by Charlie Kirk. I saw it yesterday that said, if the Hamas stopped fighting, right, there would be peace. But if Israel stopped fighting, they would cease to exist. So Israel can't stop. They have to keep fighting. So they may be at peace. Israel may be at peace. It might be a safe nation, but it's a nation that's perpetually in a fight, Always. Right? It always has been. If it wants to stay alive, it has to be on guard and awake at all times. There'll be a time when they're caught asleep, just kind of like what we saw. When Gog and Magog, right, this battle will start. Israel won't be ready. They won't be expecting it. They won't be prepared. They think they're dwelling securely, but it's a false security. They're not going to be able to defend themselves. On paper, it's going to look like Israel's going to be taken out and taken out quick but God, right? Because God's going to defend them and he's going to do it so everyone will know that I am the Lord, he says, right? I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. They will know that I am the Lord. But that's not where Israel is yet today. That's not where we are yet today. So when this news came out, if you were paying attention when it came out yesterday, did it wake you up? All right? And I don't mean physically, like you woke up and were like, hey, look, Israel's at war. No, but it was like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on with Israel? 
Your eyes open up a little bit more. Right? Does it wake you up? Because it should have. Because this is just the beginning. Right? Wars and rumors of wars. Matthew 24. Right? When they asked Jesus, you know, what are, what's the sign of your coming and what's the sign of the times to come? Right? Jesus says, first, don't be deceived. Right? See that no one leads you astray. Many are going to come saying that I am the Christ, but, but um, um, you know, but don't be led astray. And then it says, you will hear of wars and you will hear of rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed for they must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. For there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, but these are just the beginning of the birth pains. So this should have woken you up. Should have made you go, hey, sit up a little straighter, maybe. Pour your coffee a little stronger. You're like, hey, what's going on here? This is just the beginning. What, what comes next? What's it going to lead to? Or other countries are going to get emboldened now? Is China going to attack Taiwan like they've been threatening to do? You know, I don't know. I know this, though. Israel is the epicenter of the earth. Right? And even more so as the day approaches, Israel is going to be the focus of the things to come. When I say the things, I mean the things to come. Right? The focus of the tribulation? Israel. So you've got to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening over in Israel. You've got to watch these things with eyes open. Right? You've got to pay attention. Pay attention to how it plays out. Pay attention to the players. Pay attention to who says what. Pay attention to what comes from it. You've got to pay attention. I mean, it's not the Gog and Magog war. But it could easily be a setup. The setup, right? And what does that mean? Well, that means we're about to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That's what that means. Right? The trumpet's about to sound. Are you ready? Right? Are you packed? If nothing else, seeing this play out should remind you of how close we are to seeing Jesus and should remind you how important it is, vitally important, to let people know. Right? To point people to the hope that's found in Jesus. Because right? there's no better day than today. Because things like this should remind us that we may not have tomorrow. If nothing else, we should see stuff like this and we should be able to grab God's word and say, listen, these things, they're right here. God, Jesus told us that we're going to see things like this as we get closer to the day of his second coming, right? Before we get closer to the rapture, before all these things. God has promised that his church won't see wrath. He's going to take us out of the picture. He's going to protect us. And that's a promise. And God's faithful. And if we're seeing God's word come true in these little things, it's all, it's, you know, it's encouragement for us to know that all the big things is going to be faithful in as well. Amen? Let's continue to point people to the hope that's found in Jesus. Because this is just a picture of the signs, a sign of the things to come. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word.
We pray, Lord, that you'll just continue to work this out in our hearts. And pray, Lord, that this will cause many to draw closer to you. When they see things like this, Lord, um, it's, it can be scary for a lot of people, but, but for us, it's not so much terrifying as it is giving us hope. And it, people might think that that's a strange way to put it. But when we see things like this, we know that your word is true. When we see things like this and what's going to come of it, we know that the word that you've given us, the prophetic word that you've given us, Lord, the word that you've given us so that we'll be prepared and not scared, that this is a, it's your word, it's God's word, it's true, it's the truth. And we can stand on that. We can be encouraged by that. And we can you know, step out into the day not afraid and not scared and look at things like this and be like, yes, that's a scary thing that's happening. We're going to be praying for Israel. We're going to be praying for all the civilians who are caught up in this. We're praying for all the soldiers and the governments and, and everything that's involved in this. There's, it's horrific war. And we pray for everyone involved in it. But we, we pray also that everyone will come to Jesus. Because the hope is only found in Jesus. That's where our hope is. We pray, Lord, that we can just continue to point people to that. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.